this is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 91-inch. On this week's episode, we interview vocalist Monique Donnelly, who's both recorded and toured with Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Ah, what a wonderful, albeit snowy, 27th. Oh, maybe for you. Oh, did it not snow by you? Eh, we got a little snow here. I mean, hardly worth mentioning. I'm just really bummed out this week. Oh, well, what happened? I mean, you know, it was bound to happen eventually. Oh, Dave, what? What happened? Life imitates Al. My Sonicare electric toothbrush suddenly stopped charging for no reason, so for the past few days, I've had to brush my teeth like a Neanderthal. The horror! Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your first world problems, Dave. Thank you. That really means a lot to me. Now, while I would love for us to spend an hour doing an in-memoriam segment for your dearly departed electric toothbrush, we do have some fun things to talk about regarding last week's episode with Zach Sherwin. All right, all right. Now, last week after we chatted with Zach, I was still curious and I wanted to rewatch the Sir Isaac Newton versus Bill Nye the Science Guy epic rap battle. So as I'm watching it on YouTube, I made a brand new discovery. Oh, don't tell me that they changed effect back to effect. No, it was correctly effect. But as Zach said in that line where guy is capitalized, it's supposed to be capitalized. But for some reason on YouTube, it's now lowercase. Oh, the humanity. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what's going on. Epic rap battles. You guys need to make up your mind. (laughs) It's so inconsistent between what was shown in the video that's played at the Weird Al concerts and the official video on the Epic Rap Battles YouTube page. I don't know what's correct anymore. Oh, well. (laughs) At least Al's is 50% correct. (laughs) Better than nothing. Also, after last week's episode, we heard from a past guest of our podcast, episode 46-inch and Pizza Hut Bowl enthusiast, Craig Billmeyer, a.k.a. Hot Licks Houlihan. <laughs> Craig told us that the guy that does all the animations and video editing of the Crossword Show and Crossword Show Solos, which is hosted by Zach Sherwin, is none other than... Alex Cole, the same guy who drew the weird album Your Mother cover art. Whoa, I can't believe how many crazy connections there are. (laughs) (laughs) And here's another crazy connection. Of course, last week we mentioned that Zach Sherwin is not only in the Palindromist bonus scenes, but this week happens to be an entire week full of palindrome dates. Yes, so starting on January 21st, all the way through January 29th, every single date. When you write it the American way of writing dates, it is a palindrome. So, for example, today's date, January 27th, 2021, would be 1-27-21, which backwards is 1-27-21. How cool! <laughs> <laughs> I love it! <laughs> or I guess I should say, wow! <laughs> <laughs> Now, Dave, another thing I wanted to mention about last week, I I just I feel pretty rotten about it. 
we asked Frank to talk about his process and finding all of these great guests for us. And right when he was about to talk, he got cut off by the spatula hotline sound. And I, I just keep thinking about it. I, I really do feel bad about that. I know. Our Frank, our intern, he works so hard at everything. And Frank, we want to apologize to you. So please, right now, tell us your secret of how you find all these amazing guests each and every week. Go ahead, Frank, please. We insist. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Frank. Well, I can't believe that happened again. What are the chances? Well, maybe next week. Because this week, it sounds like we've got another message on the 347 Spatula Hotline. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. Hi, Dave. Hi, Ethan. It's uh, Jackson, the resident time traveler on the podcast. You might remember me from episode 69 Inch. I'm coming to you from about eight years in the future, the week of episode 420 Inch, of which I was a, uh, a guest on. And we recorded the episode live on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. We're about to get inducted uh, in the music category, actually. After 10 tremendous years doing the podcast, you guys decided to put out a, a compilation album of cover of the theme song made by two-time Grammy Award-nominated songwriter, singer, composer, guitar player, overall great guy, Jim Timo West. So yeah, he does a slack key cover. Al actually does an accordion cover. Of course, you have Summer's cover in the Bossa Nova style. You know, I, I think I think you might you might uh not gonna not gonna spoil anything, but uh, let's just say that either a Simon or Oates or Garfunkel might have might have Garfunkel and Oates didn't do it. They thought it was a stupid project. They're, they're not gonna give any time to something like this. <laughs> wow. Jackson, thank you so much for calling from eight years in the future to share that very, very important update with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have some big Weird Al anniversaries to celebrate this week. First off, last Monday, January 18th, was the one-year anniversary of the New York Times Magazine photo shoot. Yes. Now, originally, it was slated to be on the cover of the New York Times Magazine, but unfortunately, due to complications of the coronavirus and not wanting to put a giant group of people on the cover right at the beginning of the whole <laughs> pandemic uh it did not make the cover but it is still a pretty stinking majestic photo and while dave and i were not there a lot of our friends were and we know a lot of listeners were so if you were in that photo and you're not someone who we've heard from before we would love for you to tell us all about your experience by giving us a call at 347 spatula let us live vicariously through you and your experience so this past monday january 25th was yet another anniversary and this one is a lot closer to both ethan and myself this is the one year anniversary of when we did our live uhf screening with jonah ray at proctor's in schenectady new york now that was pretty stinking majestic now if you weren't able to attend luckily we have a full recording of the live interview that we recorded with jonah ray before that screening so just head over to our website weirdalpodcast.com and check out episode 40 inch for that full 
interview with Jonah. And for all of our behind-the-scenes discussion leading up to that amazing day, be sure to check out episode 39-inch. And Dave, Monday, January 25th, was also the anniversary of us eating a vegan Twinkie Wiener sandwich for the first time, which was, of course, made by... Vegan Mexican restaurant burrito burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two pound double wrapped in the quesadilla burrito burrito. Come on down to burrito burrito and burrito burrito your burrito burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at burrito squared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a burrito burrito burrito, but every burrito 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 can be burrito burritoed. The 2021 Sundance Film Festival begins tomorrow, January 28th at 8 p.m. burrito burrito time and runs through February 3rd. Oh, nice. Now, is there a Weird Al connection? Any reason you're bringing this up? Well, you remember our friend J.W. Halford, right? Of course. Now, J.W., he was the host of the Weird Al VIP parties. He's the guy responsible for those amazing strings attached to her VIP posters. Plus, we interviewed him on episode 14-inch. Yeah! So, J.W., he co-wrote and produced a fantastic animated short film called ghost dogs and from a submission pool of close to 10,000 short films submitted to Sundance ghost dogs was picked to be one of just 50 shown this year now that is pretty stinking majestic oh we have JW standing by hey JW congratulations so what can you tell us about ghost dogs hey there everybody well what I can tell you about ghost dogs is it's a genre defying Keep you on the edge of your seat. Don't know what's going to happen. Animated spectacle that kind of blends perfectly the horror genre with comedy and lightheartedness while also being an animated film. We, we kind of went into it with the idea that we wanted to make something that we would have caught late night on television. <laughs> uh, and when you're back when you didn't have the internet, right? And like you see it on TV and you're like, wow, what was that that I saw? It's almost like a lucid experience uh, of like seeing stuff on TV. You have no idea what it is. And then we were trying to bottle that essence when we went into making Ghost Dogs. And that is what ended up coming out. Ghost Dogs... Uh, is a collaboration between me and uh, Joe Kappa, who a lot of you guys might remember from some of the greatest of the Weird Al poster campaign of 2019 of that great series. Joe did some of the most iconic ones, including uh, the uh, Metallica, Nashville, yes. Tennessee. The yeah. Yep, you know that one? He did Velvet Elvis. He did the generic Blues Brothers. <laughs> he did Philo, Secret of the Universe poster. Everybody remembers that so one, right? Good. A fan so favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did Rocky 13. And, you know, so I've known him since grade school. Wow. You know, we've stayed in touch and uh, I've seen him grow as an artist and I've always tried to incorporate him into projects that I did that have an artistic uh, feeling to them. And I just think very highly of him as an artist. and He's a very inspiring person. So I'm just, you know, completely honored to get to be able to team up with him and that it was so well received by the you know the great Sundance Institute yeah I remember a couple of years ago when I was collecting those posters I was in touch with some of the artists I remember him saying that not only did he know you but you guys were working on a project so I have to assume that this was that project yes actually that is very true we've been working on this since about 2018 wow yeah no actually at first the infancy of it started 2017 just the general concept Starting to work on it started in 2018 and not only until the pandemic, you know, the silver lining of the pandemic is we all of a sudden had this free time. We're able to hammer it out. <laughs> right. It's a unique piece of art. 
And I got into it for the art's sake mostly, but we decided that the cartoon really called for, you know, classic cell animation that we grew up with loving. And, you know, it's just a completely different kind of vibe than some of this computer generated stuff that you see. So my good friend, Joe Kappa, he hand drew every single frame in the motion picture. Wow. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, that takes... That takes time. It turns out the original, we, we originally had it slated for about like three months and it took about two years. So Wow. <laughs> it's an incredible work of art. Not only the drawing, but just the overall, you know, the feel of the entire thing has that just a really fun feel. And I was just laughing the whole time. There'd be things that just out of nowhere, I would just want to vomit or I'd want to laugh hysterically or maybe both because <laughs> there's just a lot of really crazy, fun horror, but also really strange, dark comedic elements that I loved. Well, I really appreciated that. And that is exactly kind of what we were trying to achieve with Ghost Dogs. It's one of these, you know, and anybody who knows me knows that I kind of probably get way too into the projects that I'm involved with. And we just wanted it to be this kind of vessel of, you know, unexpectedness. And you didn't know what was, you know, lurking around each corner of the film. And it kind of just takes you all of a sudden on a, you get lifted off in a completely different direction while you think it's going one way. And I would think that's one of the huge strengths of Ghost Dogs is just the surprise element, or as they say in uh uhf land supplies element <laughs> <laughs> so thank you jw for stopping by and letting us know about ghost dogs if you're interested in checking out this amazing animated film you can do so over at the sundance festival website festival.sundance.org and for more information to pick up the beer pick up the t-shirts you can head on over to ghostdogs.net you guys are my favorites and uh, anybody out there listening Miss everybody. Can't wait to get back on the road uh, whenever that happens. And be safe. Watch Ghost Dogs wherever you can. And I understand the need to, to buy the merch. It just, it just comes over you. And next thing you know, you've got 15 shirts, but it's like, is that enough? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. You should check with all your friends. Valentine's Day is coming up. The Super Bowl. Oh, that's true. That's all true. sorts of reasons to gift Ghost Dogs merchandise. And not to mention birthdays and Christmas, which we missed Christmas kind of, but you know, it was Christmas in July, right? Thank you so much to JW for joining us. And I cannot wait for people to finally see Ghost Dogs at the Sundance Film Festival starting tomorrow. JW wanted to make sure that we told you that the film itself is not family friendly. There are some very adult situations in it. So please, listeners, use your discretion when viewing the film. Another exciting thing happening this weekend is the Fest Apocalypse. Presented by San Francisco Sketchfest, it is an incredible event with a ton of comedians and performers that you are just going to absolutely love, including, oh, I can't read this name. Dave, who is this that's going to be part of it? <laughs> well, certainly you don't expect me to read every single name on this list because it would just take forever. <laughs> this show is loaded, but Listeners of this podcast will be happy to know that past guests of the podcast, Dave Hill and Jonah Ray, will be appearing as well as Weird Al himself. For tickets and information, head over to sfsketchfest.com.
we have another exciting anniversary coming up. Next week will be exactly 40 years since February 1st, 1981, the day that Weird Al's Another One Rides the Bus EP, better known among Weird Al fans as the Placebo EP, was first released. The Placebo EP is highly collectible by all record collectors, but especially for Weird Al collectors. It is just an absolute must. Now, what makes it so hard to come by is there are only reportedly 1,000 of them ever made. And interestingly enough, Weird Al himself has speculated that he has signed more than 500 of them. So if you have an unsigned one, that's technically more rare. Now we're wondering, do any of our listeners have a copy of this elusive placebo EP? Please let us know and share pictures in our official Facebook group on the anniversary on Monday, February 1st over at group.2000inch.com. Additionally, to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the release of the Placebo EP, our guest next week is, well, you're just going to have to tune in. Here's a hint. He played guitar, banjo, and ukulele on the Placebo EP. Now, the first Patreon supporter to message us through Patreon with the correct answer of who is next week's guest will receive a free t-shirt of your choice. Good luck to all of our Patreon supporters. Dave, can I guess? I don't know. Are you a Patreon supporter? Oh, man, you're right. I guess I should log on to patreon.com slash 2000inch and pledge as little as $1 per month. Here on the East Coast, this week's forecast calls for a lot of cold and a lot of snow. So it's really nice to think back to when we met this week's guest in the nice warm summer of 2019. Dave and I are absolutely thrilled to complete today our trilogy of interviews with Al's gals, the three backup singers who toured with Weird Al on the Strings Attached Tour. She has sung with everyone from Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson, to, of course, Weird Al Yankee. And we are so thrilled to have her with us today. Please welcome to the podcast, Monique Donnelly. How's it going, Monique? Hey, it's going great. Thanks so much for having me. I have been looking forward to this. We talked about <laughs> having an interview all through the tour and it just never yes. seemed to happen. So I'm so excited. Yeah. We finally made it work. It made it. <laughs> it's 2021. Well you know, it's a few years later, but we did it. <laughs> it's Okay. Of course, you were on the Strings Attached tour. I'm very curious how you got involved. How did you get asked? How did that come about? When and where? Tell us everything. All right. Well, I have been singing for Al for about 15 years on his projects. I I kind of math it off my children. <laughs> my oldest daughter is about 15. And I remember like putting my pregnant clothes on at the first session going, oh dear, I look like the size of a bus. <laughs> I was not my most pleasant looking self <laughs> at the first Weird Al session. So I wobbled myself in there. And um, so she's 15. So it's been about 15, 15 and a half, 16, maybe 16 years that I've known him. And so very fortunate and blessed that he is a man of loyalty because he just keeps coming back and i say yes sir <laughs> more please <laughs> that's so exciting so do you know how you first started working with him was it a referral or was it random did you answer a newspaper ad 
<laughs> it was a referral, as it always is in my industry. It It's so crazy because when I went to college, I was surrounded by ridiculously talented singers. And I'm thinking, why are you not famous? And it really came down to the fact that they were just born and raised in Idaho. Mm. And because I was born and raised in L.A., I, from a very young age, I think my first session was when I was seven or eight, wow. my name started getting passed around town saying, oh, she sang on a kid commercial. She can do that. She can do this. And so from a young age, uh, I just kind of grew up singing on projects and my name got passed around. So when um, my friend, her name is Andy Jeray, um, I believe she's also a friend of Lisa Popeil, but they needed another female singer. And so she, my name got referred. I honestly think it's because... I like to do a lot of different styles. I like to do gospel, pop, opera. There's a wide variety of things. So I think they were looking for somebody who wouldn't be really willing, like somebody who wouldn't be afraid to make a fool of themselves vocally. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, I'm not afraid to do. I'm not afraid to make a fool of myself. So I think they just wanted somebody who's going to be brave and daring to do whatever Al asks. So I raised my hand and I said, yes, please, I will come. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. That was, yeah, I was so excited. And the crazy thing is he, the first time I ever worked for Al, it was based on a referral, but it was Al himself who called me. And it was the craziest situation because, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was so bizarre. I I don't know if you remember those old Calgon commercials, but the dog was barking, my newborn was screaming, uh, the doorbell rang, and then my cell phone rang. And so I'm trying to hush the dog and the baby, and I'm picking up my phone, and I'm answering the phone as I'm answering the door. And I say, hello? And he's like, hi, uh, this is uh, Al Yankovic. And I'm wondering if, and I, as I'm opening the door, my, it's my sister at the front door, and I'm, I'm holding my screaming baby, and I'm like, take that. Baby, it's weird. Ow, on the phone. <laughs> and her eyes get big as saucers. I'm like, I think it's really him. <laughs> so I like run to the bathroom and try and get away from the camp. I'm like, hello, yes. <laughs> I'd be happy to sing for you. <laughs> it was the most bizarre thing. I love it from your sister's point of view. She like she's knocking on your door and you just answer it, throw your baby at her, and run away. <laughs> right. Right. Take that baby. Wow. (laughs) That was quite an experience. And and that never happens. Celebrities always have people who call the singer. So I was floored. I I, I honestly thought it was a joke at first or somebody in you know (laughs) impersonating him. Right. But the more I talked to him, I'm like, I think this is really him. This is really him. (laughs) Wow. crazy I, I, I wonder how many times al has called up somebody and you know, in person and they just kind of yeah you're not really weird al and just hang up right <laughs> yeah he's shockingly personable it's it's just shocking it's refreshing but it's shocking yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think after that first session speaking of just being shockingly friendly i got emailed a christmas card and i'm like what like Nobody does that. Celebrities don't send email Christmas cards. Like, I was so impressed with him. <laughs> it was amazing. And 
of course, being a huge fan, I just like printed it out and like pasted it where everybody could see when they walked in my house. <laughs> Look what I got! A Christmas card from Weird Al! She sent that to well in an email, but yes. <laughs> wow, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that first session, that was the Straight Outta Linwood album, correct? I believe so, yes. And, and there's a couple of songs on there. I think you did. You were on Weasel Stomping Day, Do I Creep You Out, yeah. and Don't Download This Song. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think one of the hardest parts about Al's session is maintaining composure. You know, he's, he's inviting you to, okay, here's what we're going to sing. Here's the music. Here's the lyrics. And I with all my being just want to start roaring and laughing <laughs> you want me to sing what <laughs> and i'm like okay whew, deep breaths okay gather your composure you can do this just sing just sing don't laugh don't laugh <laughs> I mean, especially those songs those are you know three really funny songs <laughs> Right, right. And he's so cool because usually after a session, you know, thank you very much. Have a nice day. But he's like, if you guys want to, you know, hang out while we make some sound effects or whatever. Like, he's, like, <laughs> he's just so great. He's so great. You know, I know in Weasel Stomping Day, his daughter Nina, as a baby, was doing some of those sound effects. I think his poodle did some sound effects. Did you get to see any of that? You know, I think a little bit. I, I think I was just trying to take it all in yeah. and chat with the other yeah. singers. And yeah, it, the whole experience is kind of surreal and overwhelming when you're there. So. I can imagine. <laughs> and I have, yeah. And I have the worst memory ever. I was telling Ethan earlier, I, I started that little owl instagram page just because i have such a bad memory i need to take pictures of everything to remember things so pardon my you know my avoidance of details but that is just not one of my gifts <laughs> you can sing <laughs> right, right my gifts lie elsewhere not in not remembering details go to lisa for that lisa and scotty they are incredible you can give them the date you can name a theater and they'll tell you everything about it what was that catering i'm like oh no i, I can't do that they are those brains are impressive <laughs> Not me. Well, I, I want to go through some more of these songs, but I do want to note that of these first three songs you recorded with Al, Weasel Stomping Day and Don't Download the Song ended up on the Strings Attached Tour. How great is that? Kismet. <laughs> it was meant to be. That's yeah. so cool. So fun to be able to do that live. Yeah. Yeah. All the memories come flooding back. <laughs> when you record for Al, what sort of uh, prep do you have? Does he send you the song in advance or is it literally you, you show up, they hand you the lyrics, you see him for the first time when you're there? 95% of my career, you show up and you read the music. For Al, he is such an incredible musician and he's so organized. And, I, you know, before I actually got to know Al a little bit, I just assumed he was as frenetic as his frenetic as his like personality his persona was kind of like crazy and wild and so I just figured he would probably be you know messy and crazy and unorganized not at all he likes to have things organized and under control and I have never been so impressed by a musician he will call even sometimes up to six months in advance and say can I email you these parts do they look okay should we invert them uh, he'll tend to write in a guy's key and so 
he likes to bounce you know those kind of things off and make sure that it's in a singable key or a, a singable range and so he is very on top of wow. it as far as ha wanting to have everything in order before you arrive to the session so there's minimal questions it's like we know what we're doing this is the part i'm going to be singing and so yeah it's i've i'm so impressed with him in so many aspects wow that's that's great that sounds like that's very unusual in that business a lot of people you know are holding things close to themselves because they don't want leaks and whatever and i know al can trust you and trust everybody with with that but it just seems like that's unusual for that business absolutely absolutely yeah and, and that is the fear is that, well, if I, the more people that see this, the more chance I have of, you know, my idea leaking and getting out there prematurely. But if it leaks, you know who leaked it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think he true. trusts that's us true. and knows, ah, you know, I know the source. He trusts us. Well, he obviously trusts you enough and you impressed him enough because then he invited you back for the Alpocalypse sessions as well. Yay. Super stoked about that. <laughs> <laughs> so is that the same thing he he called you called you out of the blue and said i have another album i'm working on will you come work with me yeah it, you know it started as phone calls and he kind of morphed into emails so i'm always checking my emails <laughs> but, but yes it directly comes from his personal email and are you free next month <laughs> Usually it's like, are you free tomorrow? But with Alex, are you free next month? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now for Apocalypse, you recorded two songs, Stop Forwarding, That Crap to Me, and Perform This Way. And one thing that I thought was really interesting is up until this point, you had always sung with Lisa and or Scotty. But for Perform This Way, it was just you on the background tracks. Yeah, that was kind of uh, surprising. And I didn't even realize that until I arrived to the studio. Sometimes you can be copied on the email. I didn't even notice that the other ladies weren't on the email. So I was actually kind of excited. I'm like, oh, we're going to do all three parts. And, <laughs> and it was fun just having some one-on-one -on -one time with Al because I had never had that before. So we had a little lunch break and, and just kind of caught up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm having lunch with Weird Al. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty magical. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm like living the dream. <laughs> now, I got to ask, I know I know it was uh, over 10 years ago at this point, but what did you have for lunch with Weird Al that day? <laughs> I believe it was Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> it had noodles and veggies in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember many details, but you asking me about food, and I'm on it. <laughs> Do you remember any of your parts from Perform This Way? Express yourself. Yes, the big solo that my mom is so proud of that she just like zooms to. This is my daughter, right here, right here. Express yourself. <laughs> oh, You're that's welcome, so mom. great. I love you too, mom. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> So I'm curious, uh, when Ala, you know, he calls you and then he starts sending you some emails, is he sending you all your parts? Is, how is he sending them to you? Like like lyrics? Is he sending you MP3s and saying, try to replicate this? Or is he basically just sending you 
music? What what is he sending you when he when he sends you your parts? So yeah, he'll send anything that will help make the session come to life. And the more information, the better. And you know, it gives you the attitude and the <laughs> approach. <laughs> Super thorough, and I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> So it looks like you also did another song where it was solo backing vocals, and that was on his latest album, Mandatory Fun, with Foil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, I you know, you get there and I just was like, Oh, it's I, I just gonna hang out with Al for the next few hours? <laughs> like it's just me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is great. And what did you eat that day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was actually, he called me like after a mealtime. So ah, we did okay. not get to eat lunch okay. together. Ah. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> 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 there is one more pretty obscure Weird Al song that I understand you were on. You were on there along with uh, Lisa Popeil and Scotty Haskell as well. And that uh, was eventually released on Medium Rarities. It's the Brain song, the song he did for the multimedia Al's Brain in 3D that was at the Orange County Fair. What can you tell us about that song in that session? You know, I've always known Al to be a genius. He's just <laughs> smart. He's an incredible musician. But when you see all those aspects all playing together and it comes to life, I actually brought my daughters to the exhibit. I'm just constantly blown away by him. And it's just such a thrill to be a tiny part of his vision. You know, he, he sees something, he, he, he hears something, he wants it to be presented. And I'm just so extremely happy for him when things come together. And, and if, you know, having just a tiny part of that huge vision is so satisfying. And being there, and he actually was there for the opening of it, and so warm to my girls. And you'll, you hear this over and over again, I'm sure, by everyone you interview, that, that Al's just so personable and, 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 as, and as brilliant as he is. It's funny because it's almost like he's a savant, but, you know, sometimes a savant can't interact socially and he's really great with people. <laughs> so I, I just I'm so impressed with him. That's so cool. I, I wish I could have seen that. I, I missed out. I hope one day it shows up so I can see Al's brain in 3D. It just sounds so cool. Yeah, that'd be great. So I'm curious now to hear all about what it was like to get out on tour with Weird Al. I mean, you know, for the Strings Attached tour. I mean, you've gone to, I don't know how many shows there were, 80-something shows, you know, for over like a three-month period or so. I mean, that's a lot of, you know, catering, a lot of good food out on that tour. What can you tell us about? Uh, right? <laughs> all the food I can't on tell the you tour details, but and... I can tell. <laughs> I can talk about the food. And, you know, everything else that went on during the tour. How did you get approached? for this tours well it, it, you know he sent me an amazing email i can actually pull it up this email came a year before the tour i'm looking at it says june 19th to 2018 wow monique oh, hope wow. you and your yeah monique Coop and your family are well you are the very first person i'm approaching about this and there's no big hurry on an answer but here's what's going on next year that would be 20 
19, I'm going on a major tour across North America called Strings Attached, where my band and I will be playing with a full orchestra. I performed with a full orchestra for two nights in 2016 at the Hollywood Bowl, and it was such an amazing experience that we've decided to do an entire special tour like that, the biggest tour we've ever done. By the way, shh, it's still a secret. Anyway, <laughs> since we're doing this one up big, we've decided that we want to travel with three female background singers. I'm assuming that your family obligations would prevent you from being on the road for months at a time. If I'm wrong, please let me know. I would, of course, be very happy to have you. Otherwise, do you have any recommendations, either a group of three or three individuals that would work well together? I'm going to ask Lisa, Lisa Popeil for her advice as well, but figured I'd start with you. Please let me know if you have any thoughts. Hugs and kisses, Al. So, wow. of course, I'm like, wait, if, if you're going to let me be on tour, I'll be on tour. But how sweet of him to consider my family obligations. And my girls are older now. They're both teenagers. And, of course, I checked with the family. And they're like, yes, we'll take care of them. Do your thing. So, But how sweet of him to, to be so family-oriented that he wanted to be sensitive to that. But I was like throwing my children to the side. I'm going on tour. <laughs> Figure it out yourselves. Mommy's going. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was funny because I, you know I, I my brain immediately went to all my singer friends who tour. There's a there's kind of a, a social group of studio singers and there's a social group of tour singers because when you're touring you don't have a lot of time to do the studio stuff. So when he was asking about tour singers, of course my brain just went to the tour singers uh, to refer. And when we started emailing back and forth, in Al's loving, amazing, loyal way, he's like, hey, what if we just went with, you know, you girls, with you and, and Lisa and Scotty? I'm like, oh, yeah, great, <laughs> of course. So I, I just, yeah, I love him for that. So that's where it ended up. And I'm very happy that's where it ended up. <laughs> <laughs> Us too. I mean, Dave and I each went yeah. to 18 shows on the Strings Attached Tour, and it was I just... I know. I saw you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was very impressed with you. <laughs> You're here again? <laughs> Another concert? You just hopped on a bus. Dave and I, we had to fly places, drive places. Oh. Swim. Hashtag respect. <laughs> oh, bless your hearts. That's commitment. Respect. I mean, it was such a great tour to do that because really it, something we noticed is every night you would catch new things. You know, diff, you know, you would, yeah. obviously the, the orchestra would change, but, you know, even just watching, <laughs> you know, choosing to watch Steve for a night or choosing to watch Al's Gals singing. It, there were so many different things. And one thing I really loved was you know kind of the choreography that you guys adapted throughout the tour and and built on and it was just so funny some of the different things you guys would do what, what can you tell us about you know everything but the singing that you guys were doing on stage sure well al did express a desire he's like i don't want you to just stand there is there something we can kind of come up with so there's a little more motion and I, you know, grew up doing drill team and cheerleading, and I'm like, I'll do it. And the other girls were like, fine, just whatever you come up with, we'll do. So, <laughs> so I asked Al, do you, do you have things in mind? He's like, well, why don't you look at my old videos, and if there's anything you can kind of pick up and nuances. And so that's what I did. I just kind of looked at the song list that we were going to sing and looked at any kind of music videos and tried to pick up the motions or the nuances. And 
tried to keep it kind of basic because while you're singing and dancing, you know, you're spinning two plates at the same time. Right. So <laughs> it was kind of a modified version of something you might have seen in his uh, videos. But I videotaped myself and sent those off to the girls uh, ahead of time and said, just take a look at this, get yourself familiar. And we met a couple times before the band all got together before tour. So we did a couple vocal rehearsals and then we, you know, the next couple we tried to put the motions together. And so we were pretty much together once the whole band got together. So, but that was fun to be able to contribute that. (laughs) I remember I, I told you this at one of the shows, but my absolute favorite part is during Jackson Park Express, where Al goes, I like your boobs, and you have an offended face, you know, wide-eyed, and that would crack me up, and I would look for that every single show. (laughs) Nice. You're welcome. (laughs) And I think my other favorite part is is you guys dancing during the interlude on uh, Jurassic Park. Where you know Al's oh, yes. just kind of oh, sipping yes. the juice. And... <laughs> you want me to make a fool of myself? Of course I will. <laughs> yes, it was a little different every night, a little crazy every night, but it was definitely fun every night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now I'm curious. You had mentioned that you know there's the, you know the whole, two different groups of singers: the studio singers and the touring singers, and I. I guess up until Strings Attached Tour, you kind of considered yourself studio singer, but had you ever gone out on tour before the Strings Attached Tour? No, sir. This was my very oh, wow. first tour. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. So touring for the first time, you know, did it take you a while to get into the touring mindset? Like, how did you know what to do, what to bring, how to act? Like, you know, what was your learning process for that? That's a great question because I genuinely wanted to uh, be prepared. So I called some of my tour friends and it's so great because some of the advice they gave me was so valuable. And then other pieces of advice they gave me were so off only hmm. because of Weird Al. Uh, for example, uh, one of the greatest pieces of advice my friend gave me was just wear black stretchy. It looks classy and then you can sleep it on the bus and then go to your hotel room afterwards. <laughs> so my wardrobe consisted of black stretchy. <laughs> and um, I was like, yeah, this works. Good advice. But um, but the piece of advice that didn't work and I'm I'm regretful is... And this is very consistent with other artists, apparently, is, you know, when I I had heard, give the artist their space, respect them as the artist, uh, don't always be in their space, kind of keep to yourself. And I'm a social butterfly. And so I was like, okay, Monique, really? You got to reel this in. You know, like (laughs) when you're done, like give him his space or whatever. So I kind of made a conscious decision to... After tour's over, I know he's probably drained. He's been talking to hundreds of people. And I'm just going to quietly go into my little bunk and watch a movie and fall asleep. And towards the end of the tour, I kind of loosened up on that and had a blast. And I really regretted not milking those bus hours because once he was done signing autographs, he would spend a little time on the bus just kind of you know, talking about highlights of the concert or, oh my gosh, I almost tripped on that thing or did you guys see those bugs flying around me? (laughs) Whatever. And I really missed out on some great conversation. So 
hindsight, if I ever get invited again, I, I think I'm going to milk the bus experience a little bit more. And <laughs> and though I see the heart behind the advice of respect the artists and give them their space, Al's different. He doesn't. Yeah. He's not, you know, yeah. up high on his little pedestal. He's he's a humble dude. So I think I would have re- done that a little differently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What else can you tell us about traveling on a bus for close to three months? How do you go from, you know, uh, sleeping in your bed every night to, you know, sleeping on a little bunk on a bus, you know, in a different city every night? Well, it's called melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I did occasionally dip into the uh, melatonin bottle just to kind of lull myself. But one thing that I started learning on, like early on in the tour is I would, before going to bed, I would put in the destination in my phone because sometimes during the night they would stop for gas and I would start getting up and packing my bags and I realized, oh wait, we're not even here. Like this is a gas station or they just stopped to wash the buses or the bus driver's hungry and he's getting a burger. So I would, little note to self, I was like, okay, I'm putting in the destination for our arrival city and if the bus stops, I'm checking my phone first and if we're only halfway there, I'm not getting out. That's a great idea. So these little yeah, these little tweaks that you kind of learn along the way kind of help. And, you know, honestly, I'm a single mom. I give lessons. I'm, you know, a part of choirs. I have rehearsals. I'm doing studio stuff. My girls are actually singers. And so I drive them around to sessions. I had a really chaotic life before the tour. And this was such a welcome respite of just me time, catching up on Netflix. <laughs> like, I actually really welcomed the change of pace. I loved it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It was like a paid vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it was the best and the worst summer of my entire life. I've never had a better time in my life. It's doing everything that I love, acting like a dork, singing, (laughs) experiencing new places, eating food that I didn't have to cook, (laughs) you know, staying in hotels. It's, it really was the best summer of my life, but it was also happened to be the worst summer of my life. And I know you guys might've heard about this, but I, got news about midway through the tour from my family that my oldest sister had gotten in an ATV accident. Say prayers for your sister. She's not doing well. So we go to Oregon every summer. We ride ATVs. We go hunting. We build forts. So this was not a surprise to me that there was an accident. Things happen. So the next day when I got the news that my sister didn't make it she actually passed i was in shock and it was surreal because i was so detached from the experience and detached from the emotion and the tears and and the fear of it all the hospital and the emergency Mm -hmm. and the helicopter rides later i'm you know after tour i'm hearing about all these details that i was not experiencing and part of so there was a um it happened to work beautifully there was I think a four-day weekend which was the only four-day weekend or four-day slot that there was no concert we usually had back-to-back concerts but there happened to be a window uh, that it landed that my sister's funeral was on so the tour Al everybody was incredibly gracious incredibly kind to let me fly home spend a couple days with my family and fly back and 
you and as you guys know al al has al has experienced loss himself and so he was very empathetic yeah and you know just gave me a big hug said we love you monique do what you need to do take this time so incredibly grateful but it's it's a summer to remember because it really was the best summer of my life and the worst summer of my life to to lose my sister crazy yeah i was really bummed to hear about that um because i i went to there was only a couple shows that you ended up having to miss and i i think i was at all of them and i was like where's monique and, mm-hmm. and i heard and it was just it was so heartbreaking to hear so you know i'm yeah. it's really great to hear that you know everyone was able to continue on without you and really you know pick up right. the slack and you know as a a concert goer it was still a great concert so good good you know you left it in good hands and it's really yeah. great to hear that you're able to to you know go and, and grieve and and go to the funeral i mean what a what a crazy thing i mean not only are you kind of detached from your home life on the tour you, you know you're just in this other mindset I, I can't even imagine having to deal with something like that yeah yeah it was very uh, it was an experience i had never gone through before where I wanted with all my body to just cry and the music, you know, the entry of the concert. You know, let me back up just a little bit. I I knew I was going to miss one concert, but I did end up missing two concerts because of some weather delays. It's so crazy. Back east, there, it like rains every day. It doesn't even <laughs> matter if it's summer. It just like rains. <laughs> so, due to some weather issues, I actually missed uh, uh, another concert. But that first concert back... I had never had to, I had never had to will myself to physically go walk on stage, now smile, now dance. It was so odd to have all these feelings simultaneously. I really enjoy singing. I really love dancing. And my smile is genuine, but I'm also dying on the inside too. Mm. So it it Mm. was such a crazy time in life to have such strong emotions all at the same time, all being valid. But, um, we grow through those experiences and um and i was just surrounded by such love by everybody on tour it was it was incredible it was i think that's uh, another good word for the for the year it was the best and the worst but it was also an incredible a summer to be surrounded by that those type of people yeah oh absolutely and it's great to hear that uh, everybody in in Al's camp was uh, was willing to give you the time to do whatever you needed to do to get through yeah. the experience. Yeah. And and I was warned ahead of time by my tour singer friends that you know if you get a gig they probably won't let you come home. And so in the back of my mind I'm thinking I I don't know if they'll let me go home. And if you know of course the answer from Al was yes like go right, home right. do what you need to do. So right yeah yeah that was beautiful. Now, on a much happier note. Dave and I got to see you perform at Red Rocks. Tell us about that. Yes. I have to say that was my most favorite venue of all the tours. There (laughs) were so many beautiful, like the Fabulous Fox Theaters and the Sanger in New Orleans. Great, you know, great venues. But there is nothing like Red Rocks. Something about, I'm an outdoors girl. I like to hike. I like to run. I like to be outdoors. So combining my favorite things, orchestra, singing, being a goofball, (laughs) and getting to be outside, surrounded by God's awesome beauty, I was just 
in the happiest of happiest places. And even our dressing rooms have these giant red rocks climbing into the side of the room. Oh, like, it was cool. just incredible. It was just, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never been at a venue like that. It was so cool the way they had designed the building around the rocks. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, j- just from in the audience perspective of getting to, to witness that show and just seeing seeing that venue for the first time, I was I was just very impressed. And then, you know, just to see how many people showed up. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, when I was turned around and looked back, I just saw people go on forever. I can't imagine what the view was like, you know, from you up on stage. Yeah. It, you know, I was so... <laughs> I was so impressed. I think there was only maybe one or two shows that were not sold out. Every one of our, what, 67 concerts was sold out except for a couple of them. And it just, it's a testimony to the longevity of his career, how it spans all age groups. You saw different ethnicities, age groups, you know, genders, like everybody loves Al. Yeah. (laughs) It's just incredible. They just show up. (laughs) yeah i'm kind of curious you know when you're up on stage you know what are you looking at you know are you looking at the people in the front row are you looking at the people in the back row are you looking at al are you looking at the orchestra what what is it that you're looking at when you're up there that is a really funny question and i have some really funny answers (laughs) (laughs) okay generally the lights are blinding you so you can't really see anything except the first couple rows And usually the first couple rows are my favorite people because they are willing to pay that money to be in the first couple rows and they know every word. (laughs) They are dressed up to the T. They are smiling (laughs) the entire time. So those front row people are my favorite. I just absolutely love looking at them because A, that's the only people that I can't see because we're blinded. But I also... get intrigued sometimes because I stood right behind Al a lot of times I was the middle singer so a lot of times I found such beauty in the artistry of the light shining through his hair or the sweat that would drip off his elbow like there's these little details that I'm just like look at that wow that's crazy that's gross that's amazing You know, oh, you know, and sometimes your eye wanders. You know how he smashed the guitar? Like sometimes you're like, oh, look, there's a piece of guitar on Lisa's shoe. Like (laughs) sometimes these little things like pop up in the corner of your mind. Yeah. While you're, and especially towards middle, towards half of the tour, you get in such this auto mode that you know the lyrics, you know the motions. It's a little tricky at first because you're spinning a lot of plates. But once it becomes routine, your mind can start wandering because you're just an autopilot. Right. <laughs> and so you will, you will notice this little kid who has this little twerk, you know, or this little twitch. <laughs> like, Why is he twitching? Is he doing that on purpose? And your mind just veers off. <laughs> yeah. Now, I heard a story that, I don't know if this happened more than once, but being the middle singer, you had to stand behind Darth Vader and you got a pretty smelly Darth Vader. <laughs> Oh, I, you know, I got mothball Vader. I got sweaty Vader. I got all the smells. Uh, Nervous and past gas Vader. Yes, all the the smells. Oh, man. 
Yes. <laughs> but I will take it. I will gladly take it to do a tour like that again. <laughs> yes. Now, you mentioned this earlier, but I'd love to hear more about you you made this excellent Instagram account, Adventures with Little Al, and I remember just drooling over that account before I got to see my first show because you posted so much really great behind the scenes stuff. Yay! Yeah, those I posted stuff that I would want to see. You know, I'm so curious about artists and how things work, and so I kind of just posted what I would have want to have seen rehearsals and that kind of thing behind the scene, even what it looks like behind stage and knowing that dressing rooms are three floors down or, or even little random quirky things. So that's what I did. I just posted what I wanted to remember. I have a horrible memory. And so I, I need to take pictures to remember things. And I knew if I posted the amount of photos that I wanted to post on my regular Instagram account that everyone and their mother would stop following. <laughs> so on day one of rehearsals, I went to Al. I said, Al, I would love to follow these, you know, this tour and this memory with this little guy. Are you cool? Like, do I have your blessing? And he's like, oh, yeah, do what you want to do if, you know. I'm like, if you have any input or if you don't want me to do things, if I can run things by you. And he's like, eh, you just let me do my thing. He was just kind. <laughs> and and uh, he would play along sometimes. I'm like, Al, you want to be you know part of this shot or you don't want to do this so it was cute he was willing to play along sometimes he you know one time he found a guy with a girl with a little owl tattoo and he's like go get monique go get monique we're gonna take pictures together with this yeah so he he gladly jumped on board it was cute and where where is little owl now he is on my shelf okay yes He's staring at me right now. <laughs> nice and safe. Oh, good. <laughs> so we we kind of left good. the story that he got locked in the candy drawer because we didn't really want him to die. Right, but right. Yeah, that's kind of where he ended up in the Instagram account, just getting locked up and sent away. But he's really safely on my shelf. He's okay. We won't tell. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> yes. Other than his broken glasses. He did break his glasses during tour, but other than his broken oh, no. glasses, he's doing just fine. <laughs> I remember I got to meet little Al. Uh-huh. I, was, I was very uh, happy to meet him at one point. Yes. He was very happy to meet you, too. <laughs> I don't think I got a chance to meet little Al on the tour. Oh. Yeah. There were a couple quirky people who who were like, "Hey, can we take a picture with Little Al?" I'm like, "Oh, oh, not me. Okay, fine. Can you take this picture for us?" <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we don't care about you. Wow. We just want Little Al. Okay, fine. <laughs> oh, that's great. They I, there were actually like three people who asked for Little Al's autograph. I'm like, oh, "Okay, okay, how do I do that?" <laughs> Was little Al holding the pen when he was signing the autographs? Uh, yes, he was. He was. Okay. (laughs) So it's official then. It's an official autograph. Okay. Now I understand the sound guy was named Al, and of course Al's named Al. So the breakdown was Big Al. Al was Al, and then Little Al, Little Al. So there were three Al's on the tour. I'm sure. I'm sure it got real confusing. Yeah, that's why you have to differentiate. Yeah. 
we wouldn't want little Al running the sound, and we wouldn't want Big Al in front of the mic. Right. That would be bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. How did little Al break his glasses? Well, we we put him through the ringer. He actually went through the wash. We had a whole, whole episode where his clothes were stinking, so we threw him in the wash machine. And he did tumble down. He went on a hike, and he tumbled down a waterfall. And so he... he there was no stunt double. He had to do all his own stunts, so he did break his glasses. Wow. <laughs> what a trooper. Yeah, wow. He was. He had a good attitude, just like the real Al. Right. <laughs> now, we talked about how Al wanted to do the whole tour based on his experience at the Hollywood Bowl, but you've actually performed at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, several times. I it just... it I get... I just want to pinch myself every time. I grew, you know, I told you I grew up in L.A. And as a child, every Easter, I was in this little kids choir that would sing every Easter. So the Hollywood Bowl was kind of my playground. We would have rehearsals there. Wow. We'd have races to the top of the hill and come back down. And we'd do hide and seek in the little buildings down behind. And so the Hollywood Bowl is kind of part of my childhood growing up. But... It's just magical when you get to be on stage with a full orchestra, fellow singers. Did a couple shows uh, with Danny Elfman, a couple shows with John Williams. So cool. And it's just magical. It's, a, you know, to be a part of LA's history and it's completely blessed and grateful. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned Danny Elfman, but I mean, you worked with other great people like Michael Bublé, Katy Perry, and a few others. Do you have any stories of working with any of them? Sure. Just a segue um, with Danny Elfman. I, when I was about fifteen, he was working on a project called Little Demons, and he had three of us little singers come in and sing like these little children. There's a song called. Oh, Mother Dear, if you Google it's on YouTube, there's a, you know, you can hear me singing like a little 10-year-old singing on some Danny Elfman stuff. But during those sessions with Danny Elfman as a little kid, uh, one day he said, hey, I'm going to be recording on another project. Do you guys want to stay and listen to me record these things? And I had no idea what he was doing, but he got in there. And apparently, looking back on that, I'm like, he was recording the parts for Jack for The Nightmare Before Christmas. Whoa. And I wow. got to be in the studio while he was recording his dialogue. So I didn't really appreciate the weight of that moment in that moment. Because you don't know how big a project's going to be. Right. Like this little thing that I did, you know, Little Demons, it went nowhere. He never finished it. But he tends to work like that. He'll write a bunch of songs, and that's kind of how he did The Nightmare Before Christmas. I actually sang on one of those songs, but it never made it into the movie. He just writes songs, and then um, they fit it into a storyline. So, you know, I didn't know if what he was doing was going to go anywhere or not, but it became this iconic movie, and what an honor to be able to be in that same studio as he's recording Jack and then come back all these years later and be able to sing on the Hollywood Bowl stage the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, to this live audience. Wow. So it, it was a f- completely amazing uh, circle, full circle for yeah. that for me in that moment. But 
Buble. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I'll show up to a session and we're just going to do some BGVs. We read them down. We go home. The artist isn't even there. Sometimes the artist will phone in. I did some BGVs. I, uh, they might, you know, my, I, the Michael Jackson thing I did, he was not there. Uh, Stevie Wonder was not there. There's certain things that you get to put on your resume, but they just aren't there. So right. I think it's going to be the same old thing. I show up to the studio. I'm starting to fill out my paperwork. And I'm thinking to myself, that's him. He, he's on the phone talking to his grandpa about cabinets. And you know, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's here. He's here. He's walking in the studio right now. He's right there. Oh my gosh. There's like no bodyguards. It's just us singers and him and the engineer. I'm like, he's here. So a lot of times, like you've heard me say, you just walk into the studio, you sing the parts down. Well, this was a little different as well because he had some ideas, but he was asking us. There was me and two other singers. Um, I was in a gospel choir with these um, sisters of mine. We just grew up together. But we, he was like, okay, so I'm thinking, ooh, you know, he would sing a part. Is that okay? Should we do it three part? And, oh, no, wait, let's invert it. So we would say, well, you know, if we invert it, it will sound more chestier. Do you want to chestier? So he was bouncing off creative ideas with us and letting us take a lot of musical control, which was not not typical. So at one point, he he's like, oh, that sounds so good. I wish I could sing with you. And we're like, you can. You're the boss. Come sing with us. <laughs> so he's like, oh, yeah. So he comes out and he starts singing the background parts with us. And, and the engineer says, okay, I got to fix something. Hold on. Give me a second. And I look down and he's wearing these Kermit the Frog socks. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, nice socks. And after I give him the compliment, he proceeds to undo his belt buckle. I'm like, whoa, whoa. He's like, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. And I'm like, wait, whoa, what's going on, dude? He's like, he pulls his pants down and he's wearing, fuzz, you know, the dog that goes with the Muppets. His boxers have this little tail. And so he starts wiggling his booty legs. <laughs> and I get completely red. And my two girlfriends are laughing at They're like, Monique, you are so red. I'm like, oh, oh gosh, oh gosh, okay. <laughs> I just got blue wow. by Michael Blue Bay. He's like, are you guys okay? You just need a minute? I'm like, yeah, okay, just like, let me get, let me do some water real quick. <laughs> But yeah, so that was kind of funny to be mooned by Mike Bublé and be oh, in the same studio with him. And, you know, it, yeah, that was a, an incredible moment, I have to say. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is insane. Never a dull moment. I can just imagine. Really, I was just saying you had nice socks. That's all. That's all I meant. I know, right? <laughs> Wow. What is that guy? Foz? Is it? What is that bear? Or no, it's a dog. What is oh, his name? Foz the bear? Yeah, Fozzie the bear and Ralph the dog. Ralph the dog. Ralph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ralph yeah, the, the dog piano player. Yeah. There you go. That's who it was. <laughs> <laughs> I will look, never look at that dog the same. <laughs> <laughs> and now you also recorded with Paul McCartney. Was he actually there? <gasps> when you walk up. And you see a bodyguard who asks to check your purse, you get a little excited. You're like, yes, check my purse. He's here. He's here. He's here. <laughs> There's a bodyguard. He's here. Sure enough. 
And this was a really cool recording because typically you show up to a studio. He, Paul wanted to do it in a cathedral. We were in downtown LA in this giant church, beautiful tall cathedral. And we actually open his album, Egypt Station, with an acapella piece. And so a lot of my singer friends were there. We sang our piece. He was sitting in the pews listening the whole time. And once he you know, thought he got what he wanted, he went back. He's like, let me go back. Um, they decided to make the room, there's like a little baptismal behind a room, a little hidden back room there to make that the engineer spot. So hmm. he came out and he says, it's fantastic. Would you like to hear it? And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So he invited us to go back and, and to listen to how it turned out. And, and as we left that little engineer, makeshift engineer booth, he just shook all of our hands on the way out and says, thank you for singing with us. Thank you for singing with me. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, and another classy thing that most artists don't do is he actually mailed all of us a copy of the CD. Oh, wow. A little note. It says, with compliments. Oh, wow. Yeah. It says, with compliments, hope you enjoy this little gift. If you don't, it can be molded into a nice flower pot. Cheers, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> How cool. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so did you mold it into a flower pot? Yeah, it's funny because the, the CD, it, it's like this, you open it up and it creates like this square. So I was like, oh, I see what he was talking about. I could totally turn in that into a flower pot. <laughs> I'm not going to, but no. I see where he was going with that. <laughs> so, I mean, just looking at this list, it's just insane. You know, Neil Young, Harry Styles, Katy Perry, just, it's insane. <laughs> some of the folks you've recorded with what an awesome career yeah and it's it's you know i don't have an asian are the people in our community it just goes by who you know so i have to give all gratitude to god and to people in my life who are willing to take a chance on me and open doors for me i really you can only do so much in your own preparation mm -hmm. uh, for your career to take off and and you really do rely on the on the people around you so i'm just so grateful for the people in my life that God has put in my life to open those doors to allow these experiences because I'm I'm I know I couldn't do it on my own so I'm just humbled I'm completely humbled that that I've gotten to experience these moments they're just magical and I cherish them one thing I wonder if if people realize is that you've really you know through your film score work you've attained this like holy trinity although it's more than three it's this this holy nerd trinity of you've performed for star wars star trek marvel you've been in you know world of warcraft weird al like you don't get more holy nerd trinity than that <laughs> i i can't wait for the next thing that is in my nerd pot it's kind of i signed an nda i can't talk about it but i get to do this solo stuff for this uh, new cartoon. I can't really talk more about it, but I'm like, oh, I can't wait for this to come out. <laughs> that will definitely be on the nerd list. <laughs> it's like an infinity gauntlet. You're just like putting these different, uh, incredible nerd related things into this gauntlet. And I can't wait to hear what else is coming up. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be good. Well, I mean, so going th- going through the list, I mean, I, I pointed out some some exciting ones, but there's also just incredible ones like uh, Jurassic World, La La Land. You know, just seeing Polar Express, these movies that everyone like has seen a million times. And and films really are the gift that keep giving. I can say that I I'm a singer mainly because the residuals that come from film. Mm. Uh, Commercials pay big up front, but then they leave you. TV is okay, and it kind of lingers, but really it's the film that has those cult followings. People keep renting them. People keep buying them. And it's really the bread and butter of my career is the film work, especially animation, because there's less uh, people, less performers right. on animation, right. so you get a larger chunk of that perform- performance pie. So... Over, you know, if you look at how much I do a year, it's not that impressive, but because I started at a young age, seven or eight years old, it adds up. And so those $5 checks, $10 checks, $20 checks stack up, and it's really been a blessing to help pay my bills and take care of my family. And so I'm really grateful for all aspects, but really it's the film that kind of pays my health insurance and keeps me afloat. I mean, just to to give an example of of some of these franchises, you're in uh, Rio 1 and 2, Happy Feet 1 and 2, Ice Age 1, 2, 3, 4, and Ice Age of Mammoth Christmas, Robots, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. I mean, that is incredible to be part of that franchise. <laughs> Come on, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> That's what I'm known for, you know. <laughs> that is so yeah, cool. Yeah, animation is definitely my favorite, not just because of its longevity, but especially, I would have to say my favorite stuff is working with composers like John Powell, who are willing to experiment with the singers, I remember one session for one of the Happy Feet. He says, Monique, you know how to yodel, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, you can sound like a little boy, right? And I said, yeah. And, and you can sing gospel runs, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, can you do it all at the same time? And I, <laughs> I paused for a second and I said, I've never tried, but let's give it a go. <laughs> so there's actually like this little penguin in one of the Happy Feets where it's this little boy and he's yodeling and then he, down like that. And so it's it's like, I love how he stretches me and is kind of willing to let me sing like an old lady or an opera singer or a four-year-old. Or So it really is fun to kind of be able to throw the parameters out there and just have fun and be goofy and, and sing different styles. Which, coming back to Weird Al, is why I love singing on with him, not only on his albums, but the tour was so incredible because you've got everywhere from shoo-wop, doo-bop, 50 stuff to... <laughs> You know, the, your your kind of hardcore smells like Nirvana. To you've got all these different styles, so it really never got vocally boring because he kept. You know, he switches his styles up, which is another thing that I love about Al. He's so versatile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, one thing that I really enjoy every holiday season is the happy honda days commercials and you actually were in some very early happy honda days commercials you remember you knew yes <laughs> and what's funny about that is i was semi-pregnant in some of those too really so i you know i worked yeah it worked really well to have nice fluffy coats and be in the winter right. <laughs> scenes for those. Yeah. and those were fun because 
you know, I don't get to do a lot of on-screen stuff, but it was fun to have, I think there was like a four-year four run, of, I don't know how many years in a row that was, but uh, it was fun to go back every couple of years and, and do some on-screen stuff. And it would be totally warm in LA and they'd have to create all this fake snow. <laughs> <laughs> the Hollywood magic would come to life and be like, wow, look what they did. <laughs> yeah, Those were fun. And looking back at Rio, your daughter was actually involved with one of the Rio films. She was. And you know what's cool about that is uh, they not only did they use her little solo as the trailer for Rio to memories, but <laughs> that was the same solo that I did in diary of a wimpy kid whoa i i was like what are the oh. odds that i got to sing that solo in a movie and you got to sing that in a movie <laughs> cool. it was just it, it blew my mind that you know a what are the chances of being able to sing on a movie that's just such a rare opportunity but for me and my daughter to sing the same song of all the billions of songs in the world we got to sing the same song in a different movie crazy wow <laughs> yeah Another opportunity where you were on stage is at the 72nd Academy Awards behind the great late Robin Williams. What can you tell us about working with Robin? He was a gem. And when he would work, he would work with all his heart and get sweaty and stinky. <laughs> <laughs> with, with me being short, I had to be at the front of the v-line right behind him and i got all the glorious robin williams smells uh, it was it was fun he very kind very funny very gracious there was at the end of the song the finale big moment he ripped open his his vest and he had this like flashing vest nobody had seen that before where there was lights on clothing it was like this new cool thing <laughs> so the the people who had made the vest, they saw me downstairs like, you're, you're singing with him, right? Can you go give this to him? So I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I'm like, knock, 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 knock. I'm like, hi, Mr. Williams. So this is your vest, and this is how you turn it on. <laughs> and we get to this finale moment where we're all marching in a V, and he rips open his chest, at, or you know his vest, and these lights start flashing. Well, at the point where we start walking back, he accidentally steps on my foot. Oh, no. And you know how everything just goes slow motion? Oh, no. My heart starts racing, and I almost eat it, and he almost eats it. And right at the last second, we both shuffle our feet out and catch ourselves. Oh. And I was like, that has to be one of my most scary live onstage performance moments in my life. I almost tripped Robin Williams on the Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, wow! I had a coronary. I after I got off stage, I'm like, I just want to cry. I'm so glad that's over. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> what kind of stuff have you been working on recently? We it's been interesting with COVID. They the last few sessions that I've had, you you know have to get a test that you're negative. They take your temperature at the door they isolate you. you you know usually it's nice to be around one mic everyone's wearing masks until the last minute you have to bring your own pop screen you're constantly using sanitary things so uh i sang on a a trailer called uh for dune uh trailer called dune cool and for hans zimmer 
and Jingle Jangle that came out this Christmas. And that's fun. And we got hired to sing like a kid. They, they didn't want to bring kids into the whole COVID atmosphere. So they were asked to bring some female adults who could sound like little children, which is one of the things that I do and get hired for. <laughs> cool. So I was fortunate enough to be able to get hired for that. Another, can I tell you another fun story? Yes. About oh, yeah, please do. Being a little kid type. Okay. So I am very short. I'm four foot 11. And a lot of times that cancels me out on any kind of onstage thing. So that is why it's so special that Al let me be a part of this because I'm just so stinking short and I don't fit the mold. And I was just so grateful. <laughs> I, <laughs> because I'm short, like I said, I, I don't get typical gigs that other people get because I'm just like I throw the camera off they have to move the camera down it, like they don't know how to figure me out so I just don't get hired <laughs> which I'm fine that's fine but one instance I actually got hired because of my size my shortness my friend came to me and said Monique there is a opportunity for you to sing with Barbara Streisand she's going to be singing for the president but because it's so high profile, they don't want any parents. They don't want any adults. The less people as possible. They just want performers back there. So I need an adult who is short like a kid to hang out with the kids behind the scenes before they go up on stage. So <laughs> because I was four foot eleven, I got hired to be the kid adult to <laughs> sing backup for Barbara Streisand and the president of the United States. Wow. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Take that, tall regular people. That's so cool. <laughs> yes. The one time being short actually paid off. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, they, they, he actually was very kind. He came back afterwards and he gave all the kids, all the performers, a little box of chocolates. And we all had a, a, a picture with Hillary and him and Barbara Streisand. So that's one of my wow. cherished photos is short wow. little Monique adult with all the other kids and, and these three icons. How cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just incredible. I mean, how do you top that? You get to sing for the president. You get to perform with Weird Al. I mean, it just, it just, how does it get any better than that? I, you know, I am one blessed girl and I know it. <laughs> I don't deserve it. I, I did, um, I meant to ask you about your conversation with JW. Sure. So I keep in touch. I follow JW on Instagram. And so we'll occasionally message back and forth. So I was really intrigued with his current project that he's been working on he's doing this little animated thing and he was like we should work on stuff together I'm like we totally should so going back and forth in our conversation I was realizing I've never really put a voiceover reel together I've done voiceover whether that's for a Barbie commercial or something else a little character in a movie that I happen to be singing with but it's always been connected with singing so mm -hmm. I feel like I'm cutting myself short by just singing. So I've recently, after talking with JW, have realized I need to take advantage of this. And honestly, Al is an inspiration. Uh, he does a lot of voiceover stuff. Yeah. And so I'm going, yeah, I'm currently taking classes. I have a personal voiceover coach who's helping me develop a voiceover reel. Cool. So I'm going to 
start working yeah fine-tuning that ability of, of diversifying characters and maintaining those characters and using different aspects of my voice so who knows if jw and i will be able to to work on a project together but it really was that connection that spurred my desire to make something official out of voiceover so so grateful for al being an example and connecting me with people like jw to make that work oh well, yeah sounds great i can't wait to hear you in in some more stuff <laughs> yeah that's right I'm, I'm looking forward to to doing that yeah oh you know the only other weird al thing that i was thinking of was i got to sing for pharrell at the grammys one year uh, i believe it was uh, 2015 and as i'm coming down the aisle as one of the gospel singers i hear this hey monique Monique, I turn around and it's Al and, and his wife. And I'm like, Al! So, so I whip out my cell phone and I take a quick selfie. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Wow. Al's, Al's saying hi to me. <laughs> he recognizes and remember me. Wow. I love you, Al. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, if anyone wants to take a look at your just incredible list of things you've worked on and you've got some really great blog entries and stories, they can check out your website, moniquedonnellyvocals.com, and I highly recommend it. There's a lot of fun, and hopefully one day we'll get to see more posts on Adventures of Little Al on Instagram. I hope! That'd be great! <laughs> that would be so fun. <laughs> Monique, this has just been incredible. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are... are... I, I had so appreciate seeing your faces during the tour and your support and your encouragement has been such a gift. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are amazing. Well, thank you, Monique. That was so much fun. And note to self, do not mention the Muppets around Michael Buble. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also postal. Located on First Street, Darwin is home to its very own United States Post Office. It might be one of the tiniest buildings in Darwin, but it sure has a huge impact on the community. Local resident Gail Sherwood rates the post office five stars, saying, I was having trouble getting my mail forwarded to my new address, and they were so kind and helpful and made it so easy. Just a lovely group of people. At the Darwin Post Office, you can mail letters and parcels, rent a post office box, and buy postage stamps, packaging, and stationery. I mean, sure, you can do that at any post office, but if you plan to send postcards from the Twine Ball that say, wish you were here, the Darwin Post Office is the only post office where you can get an official postmark from Darwin, Minnesota. Now, won't the folks back home be jealous? And also, if you're in a rush, there's a mailbox situated right out front. You don't even have to go inside. Now that's just convenient. And there is street parking available. Say no more. I can't take it. And they sell duck stamps. Ah, stop it. Ah. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week, we are able to bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Brito Brito, Angel Valenzuela, and his son, David Cash, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and all of our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Kenneth, Jared, Zeb, Blair, 
Allison, and Javier, as well as our newest Patreon supporter, Vincent, and so many more. Revenue from our incredible supporters on Patreon.com slash 2000inch allows us to continue doing what we love, which is making fantastically fun, funny, and family-friendly Weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. We'd absolutely appreciate your consideration in joining our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. Looking for another way to support the podcast? Head over to shop.2000inch.com for official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, tank tops, face coverings, pillows, and so much more. Find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com where you can find information about our guests and listen to past episodes like episodes 37inch and episode 38inch where we interview Lisa Popiel and episode 85inch where we interview Scotty Haskell, the other two Al's gals. Please join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com for episode discussions and other exclusive content. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram via at 2000inch and at youtube.2000inch.com. Be sure to share our posts and tell your friends to gill and chill. We love it when you leave us voicemail via our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. You might even hear your message on the air. You can catch our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Whichever you choose, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you do not miss any episodes. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Thank you once again to Monique Donnelly, J.W. Halford, Jackson Scoggins, Craig Billmeyer, and of course, all our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who made this episode and this podcast possible. Remember... The first Patreon supporter to correctly guess episode 92 inches guest by messaging us on Patreon wins a free t-shirt. We will begin airing our series of bonus episodes where we sit down with John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture through his brand new book, Black and White and Weird All Over, very soon. Time is running out for you to grab the book if you want to be able to follow along with those episodes. Plus, it's a great gift to give someone for Groundhog Day. We will begin airing our series of bonus episodes where we sit down with John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture through his brand new book, Black and White and Weird All Over, very soon. Time is running out for you to grab the book if you want to be able to follow along with those episodes. Plus, it's a great gift to give someone for Groundhog Day. That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 91-inch. That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 91-inch. Look at that. Wow, that's crazy. That's gross. That's amazing. (laughs) 